0: This is the Used Car Dealer Podcast. Well, hello, it's Zach, and we have another episode of the Used Car Dealer Podcast, and we have a special guest today, Ed French, who's the president of Auto Profit Consulting. And Ed, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got into the business.
1: Thanks for having me, Zach. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, be with you and uh, be on this podcast. And uh, hopefully we can uh, share some of the things that I know are working out there in retail automotive. I I got started in the business, Zach, in 1973. So I guess that dates me as the uh, oldest guy on this podcast. Um, But uh, I started uh, actually through the fixed operations um, so I was a service technician and a service advisor and a parts manager and a service manager, um, and, uh, through a, a, a series of folks that, uh, believed in me, uh, actually moved from the fixed operations to, uh, uh the, the variable operations side of the business and, uh, from, in the late 70s and early 80s, I was a uh, salesperson, finance manager, used car manager, new car manager, general sales manager, um, and in 1985, uh, actually purchased my first uh, new car franchise. Um, and uh, from that point on, I've been uh, either a, a chief operating officer, director of operations, uh, dealer principal Uh, From basically 1985 all the way up till uh, 2011, when I uh, uh, moved into uh, uh, semi-retirement and uh, started a consulting business and moved uh, from the Midwest to uh, my residence in Fort Myers, Florida. And uh, have, since 2011, worked with both, uh, all all sides of the business, uh, Dior clients OEMs, uh, vendors that serve the industry, and uh, have really uh, uh, seen a lot traveling from coast to coast, working with uh, those those folks, uh, learning about what works best, um, where where the friction is in today's processes, and uh, it's uh, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, this year, Zach is uh, celebrating 47 years in the in the automotive industry. So I've right. seen a lot, and uh, uh, seen it, I've seen prime at 21, and now I see it close to zero. And I've seen gas at five dollars a gallon, and I saw it at uh, uh, about 69 cents too. So have uh, right. seen I've seen a lot. So uh, the good news is. Uh, uh, Pretty much nothing uh, scares me in the retail automobile business because we're pretty resilient folks out here in this industry.
0: Agreed. And let's talk about the changes from like March and April when COVID-19 first started to take Mindshare to now and what you've observed in the marketplace in your consulting business.
1: Well, sure. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, my clients uh, started calling me and, Uh, in earnest around late February and early March uh, with uh, certainly several degrees of panic, Zach. Uh, You know, what's going to happen? Inventories are... uh, uh, I've got way too many cars and they're all overpriced and the market's in free fall. Customers are in lockdown. Uh, my, My processes don't allow me to do business virtually. Um, you know, my website isn't uh, current. Uh, you know, all the things that, quite frankly, Zach, I have been telling clients and encouraging them to make the changes to, to transform their business uh, into a, a frictionless experience uh, digitally. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's really hard, Zach, to tell multimillionaires to change their processes that made them multimillionaires in the first place. So, <laughs> you know, there isn't anything like a good pandemic to get everybody straightened up. Uh, so, you know, the, the the biggest changes, frankly, have been in the uh, in the in the digital aspect and remote uh, workforce and. Uh, in the efficiencies of their operation, being able to actually uh, create uh, deliveries and throughput and service uh, operations with less people, uh, really leveraging the software that's available to help them become more efficient. So, you know, doing more with less uh, has always been a hallmark of uh, automotive retail. So, uh, I, I saw it uh, live and in action, and you know we were in the depths of doom in April, and then, gosh, by the middle of May, everybody's like, Wow, this is business is good again. And uh, you know the caution that I give everybody that would be listening to this podcast is, you know as we stand here on the on the ninth of September, you know, business is starting to soften a little bit. Uh, the The pent up demand has been filled. New mm-hmm. car inventories are back. Um, so the changes that we saw uh, to our businesses in March and April, we're about to see them uh, happen again. Where all the all the greatness that we enjoyed coming out of April, um, the reality is we still have ten percent unemployment. Um, mm-hmm. we, we still have a, a, a market, a new car market that is not uh, a, a few million units off from where it was projected to be. Uh, those cars are forever lost. So we'll get them, you know, eventually we'll get them uh, back into the system, but they're forever lost this year. And I, I guess the the, the the key takeaway, if I was to give it one word, was uh, resiliency through efficiency. Is the, the the phrase that I would use that everybody just became more resilient and got more by with less by leveraging software. So that's a long answer to your question, Zach. But it's it we 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 had to learn how to reinvent our business uh, and do less face to face and more remote.
0: Interesting. And you recently posted on LinkedIn about a concept you call mwba explain to the audience why that's important and why that's timely right now
1: well it's it's managing by wandering around and and uh, you know i i think that during times like this uh dealership senior leadership has to lead from the front and uh you know you can learn a lot by getting to your uh store and watch it wake up um, it was a, 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 that was probably the most uh, prolific thing that I learned uh, by doing this was getting to the store at, you know, 630 in the morning uh, and actually watch the store wake up, watch the employees come in, watch the mm-hmm. service department wake up, watch the service director arrive, uh, you know, take time to to. Talk to everyone in the fixed operations, get a general pulse of the fixed operations, you know, watch the service drive process, our recommended uh, upsells being performed, Um, you know, a lot lot of the customers would come in and wait. I'd actually, you know, buy them a cup of coffee and sit down and chat with them for a minute to actually... Determine what, what their feelings were about our processes that we're actually using. You know, I can, uh, it, until you're watching your processes live and actually watch your employees come to work, it tells you a lot about the pulse of your store. And you have to lead by love, Zach. You know, I, I, you have to love what you do and you have to be able to say, you know, I'm going to lead by loving all of my employees and make sure that everyone in my store gets a chance to succeed. And I think that's probably the thing that managing by wandering around gives you. It gives you a chance to to get that human touch and lead by love in your operation.
0: Got it. And inventory management, that's a real hot topic in today's market. What should dealer operators be doing to set themselves up for success in sourcing inventory?
1: well obviously sourcing inventory is a is a hot button for every retail dealer and to be perfectly honest with you we have to begin to look at the unnatural sources the natural sources are lease returns go to the auction go to an online auction um But we really have to focus on the two major areas where the biggest opportunity exists and the least efficiency is. And that is in trade-ins and our process for trade-ins, our appraisal effectiveness, our appraisal Mm -hmm. processes. And then certainly last but certainly not least is our private seller acquisition strategy. The inefficiency that exists in most retail stores with consumers when they want to dispose of their vehicle does not exist in most retail operations. In other words, we don't have a process for a consumer that just wants to sell us their car. We we don't have any infrastructure built. We don't have any software that helps the customer walk through the process. Uh, Generally, it's the used car manager who ends up talking to the customer. There isn't any software that that coexists where the consumer can validate through a third party. Um, It's generally just another appraisal as opposed to an experience. You know, selling your car is as important as an experience as the experience in buying a car, Zach, and that disconnect. That's where the disruptors are making major headway. They're creating an experience for a consumer to sell their car. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be painful. It shouldn't be hard. It should be easy. It should be fun. It should be exhilarating. It should be filled with, with uh, transparent data. And if retail dealers don't get anything else out of this podcast other than that, it's Build a department, build a process, and build an experience around consumers who want to dispose of their present vehicle and make it part and parcel of how you would think about reinventing your appraisal process. Most appraisal processes, Zach, are broken. They don't include third-party validation. They don't include uh, side-by-side walk-arounds. They are, generally speaking, one person's opinion matched up with a software tool that doesn't understand your total market strategy. And we allow a software tool and one person's opinion to definitively decide the consumer's experience in trying to either trade or sell their car. It's got to change if dealers are going to be successful. And it's the number one thing on the radar of the disruptors act. They are big on this. I think everybody knows that. Yep. And they are absolutely out for blood in this area, and they 're going to win if we don 't wake up and uh, get our ex- get, get it focused around the experience and transparency
0: i couldn 't agree more, and what are your thoughts on Carvana and Broom and what they 're doing from the trade in perspective?
1: well, they're obviously industry leaders in this, and they 've spent a tremendous amount of time and effort uh, studying consumer behavior and the pain and friction that comes from a consumer who just wants to dispose of their car and they've capitalized on it. They've built ph- phenomenal algorithmic uh, software programs that make it easy for the consumer to get a transparent price on their vehicle. They've created, a again, a cultural experience Uh, by removing all of the traditional roadblocks from picking up the car to the uh, transfer of funds to uh, the validation of the condition of the car to arriving at a fair and equitable value for the vehicle. They've eliminated all of those, all of those headwinds and friction and clearly they understand because they're not, they don't have those disruptors, don't, don't have the advantage that most franchise dealers, they don't have a built in trade in system. So they have to focus on this if they're going to have inventory and acquire vehicles. And to be perfectly honest with you, they're going to win if we don't wake up.
0: Interesting. And um,
1: many used
0: car dealers right now, they're running with smaller teams. Maybe they're furloughed or fired some employees during the pandemic. And owners and operators, they have to make tough decisions. What advice from the management perspective do you have for operators during the pandemic?
1: Well, I think you have to really look at how efficient can your operation be and look at the software tools that potentially could be out there to help you create 1.5 people Hmm. combining 0.5 with software with a very productive person where you don't have to have the numbers of people that you had if you leverage your software tools. There is a phenomenal array of software tools available for dealers right now that will actually help streamline your operation. But most importantly, what you have to do is wipe away most of the legacy that causes dealerships to be inefficient. So in other words, here's what I would encourage all dealers to do, Zach. Take a whiteboard and put your present selling process up on the whiteboard and ask yourself the following questions. When was the last time That selling process was modified. Then take your digital selling process, in other words, your website, and ask yourself these questions. Does it have the same process that you can get in-store? Do you have different tools that are on your website that are not available in-store? And does your sales and desking process, both in-store and online, Make the customer happy? Make the employee happy? Does it create transparency? Does it have credibility? Can your employees really execute? Most selling processes I see, Zach, they are too complicated. You know, what we have to really think about is your up bus is empty. There aren't any ups on it anymore. They all start digitally and to do that, what we have to do is combine the Digital online store. I want everybody to think about their website as an online store. Think about your website as Shopify. If you had Shopify as your website, it would be an online store. It would be a complete. It would have document download, it would have available it would have all the specifications for a consumer to actually be able to transact. It would have all the tools for consumers to validate the, the, the product. It would have uh, finance choices. It would have an upfront trade-in price quote. Uh, it, would have the, uh, it would have a return policy. Uh, it would have all these things. And so the answer to the question is, you can do more with less from an employee standpoint if you make it more efficient for your employees to execute. And most selling processes act have not been modified in the last 48 months. Huh. And we had a major modification in March and April. And we all scrambled to modify what we were doing. And then all of a sudden business got good again, Zach, and everybody just went back to where they were. Huh. Well, here's a, here's a newsflash for everybody on this podcast. Business is never going to be just back to the way it was in January and February. We are forever modified. And what we have to recognize is this is the time as retail dealers to modify so that we modify our processes to make them efficient and streamlined and frictionless so that you never have to have two employees doing the job of one. Because we don't know what's around the corner. It's probably not another pandemic, (laughs) but we're sitting here with 10% unemployment. We're sitting here with some economic uncertainty. Yes, interest rates are at an all-time low, but I'm not sure that I'd want to go on a hiring spree right now. And that leaves me with one way to become more efficient, and that's over-indexing and utilizing those software tools.
0: That's a good point. And this leads into my next question. When most used car dealers think about the word capital, they think about funding needed to acquire inventory or run their business. There's also human capital. And in an industry where there's historically a very high turnover rate, what's the importance of human capital when it comes to dealership?
1: Well, it's the number one asset we have. You know, I, I believe that salespeople and sales managers are the number one asset. They're 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 the they're the straw that stirs the drink. And the 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 way that you compensate them, the way that you lead them, the way that you motivate them, the way that you, frankly, that you hire them, um, the, the onboarding process, uh, you know, specifically when you think about the younger employees, uh, you know, millennials love to know the why. And... If you don't give your employees the why behind what you're doing, why you're doing it, what's in it for them, mm-hmm. and let your, let your employees give you lots of feedback, make those one-on-ones impactful. And I think the, the, the role of senior leaders or dealers is we have to paint a vision within our store and create that culture. That every employee has a purpose within an organization. And it's the purpose of a higher good. You know, I don't I don't want my salespeople to think that they sell cars. I want salespeople to think that they provide a service to improve the lives of their customers. Because without a car, they can't get the kids to school, even though they may be homeschooling them sometimes. They can't get to their work. They can't They can't provide good good cultural learning experiences by going on trips. They they are creating, they they are helping customers have a better life by having a vehicle. And that's the vision and that's the purpose of us being in the retail car business. Yes, the income that we derive is a direct result from consumers validating and understanding and acknowledging that the higher good of an automobile makes their life better. We are improving people's lives. And if you surround your employees with technology, if you personalize their experiences, if you create that team environment, if you have a culture of activity, if you make those one-on-ones impactful, you'll win. You won't have turnover, but it's all about how did you hire them? How did you bring them on? How did you onboard them? And how culturally they feel like they're making an important contribution to society by being in the car business, as opposed to you're going to be here from bell to bell. We're not going to pay very much uh, and we're not going to train you. We're going to stick you in a conference room with a couple of old uh, uh, CDs and watch you, let you learn those things. Employees today want to know that they're doing something that will help others and that they are actually making a difference within your store. Maybe, make, make it, so it, the, the, the summary on that, Zach, is if your employees don't feel like they have a purpose within your organization, they're leaving. And it's our role and responsibility and obligation as senior leaders to make sure that everyone in our organization knows they have a purpose.
0: Understood. And some car dealers have, or used car dealers, have service operations, while many do not. And to move into another topic, why should or shouldn't a used car dealer operator consider a service component to their business?
1: Well, I think it's where the separation comes from the level of experience that a that a customer might receive, think of it as concierge. Mm-hmm. You know, the disruptors, for the most part, don't have service. You know, CarMax is the one exception to that. Uh, but Varun, Carvana, you buy a car and you're more or less on your own. And when you have trouble, all you get is a call center that directs you to an independent third party repair facility so the fact that we even though we may do it ourselves in other words we might uh, sublet it out to a third-party repair operation it's the level of concierge it's the feeling or the experience you know zach we don't sell cars we sell an experience Mm -hmm. we don't service cars we have a service experience and I think what we have to recognize is, as independent dealers specifically, we have to recognize that that concierge level of service is what the disruptors are unable to do. And because they're operating out of a gigantic call center in either Phoenix or Dallas or wherever the the home office of these disruptors might be. Right. As As a smaller independent dealer, if you offer concierge service and you offer to take care of it, as opposed to having the customer be left out there by themselves, you are a leader already. You fit right in the middle between the franchise dealer that has service and the disruptor that does not. And that is a great spot to be. So for anybody that's thinking about it, I offer service even though I may not be repairing the car myself. In other words, I'm getting it repaired.
0: Any reason why a dealer it might not make sense for like a used car dealer to have a service component of their business or any risks or cons to having a service department
1: well I, I think the service department is a capital investment uh, both in facility and equipment and it's it is the separator as I mentioned earlier you have to you have to make a the pros are you're going to be forced into this level of experience and service by your consumers, or they will no longer include you in their shopping experience because when there is something that occurs with the car, the first person that they're going to revert back and go to frankly is going to be their selling dealer. So if you don't offer the service or at least the ability, the concierge, mm-hmm. uh, you're already in, in,
0: second place. So, concierge, I assume you would mean like if there's another service center, a used car dealer partners with bringing it to that service yeah. center on their right.
1: Got yes. it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's, that's frankly where I see a lot of the independence going is offering a concierge service. In other words, we'll take care of it for you. You don't have to do a thing. Uh, and albeit we might be, we might be subletting it out ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, because we elected not to make the capital investment, it's still, we are, we still maintain ownership of the customer. Think about this, Zach. If you sell me a car and you don't have the service operation, and I go to a place that now has a service operation, even though they may not sell cars, whose customer did I just become? The service operations. I don't want to lose retention of customers is paramount so if i maintain control by offering a concierge service uh, frankly i don't lose control of the customer if i send my customer somewhere else this will be the downfall of the disruptors act is because they they are losing control of their customers once they sell them a car it mm-hmm. will be the it will be the headwind that they face the most
0: so I guess, Ed, to kind of close things out, where do we go from here and what are some of your future predictions in regards to the used car marketplace?
1: The disruptors are going to get bigger. Um, they have an appetite for growth. They have money behind them and they are, they are innovating as we speak. So as I, as, as, as I, as I think that, that my prediction will come true, The disruptors, there will be more enter the space. That means that there'll be less and less for the smaller and mid-sized folks that to capitalize on from a growth standpoint unless you become ultra boutique, meaning focus on a segment, focus on your uh, customer service, focus on your digital assets, become Carvana or Zvroom-esque in your processes, but yet have a personalized touch on top of them. I think the used car marketplace is going to go through an evolution in 2021. I think there's going to be plenty of cars to choose from. I think there's going to be a pretty significant price adjustment in 2021. I think that the CPO business is going to become even more robust. I think I predict that the CPO business will be four out of ten vehicles sold. Right now, it's running in the twenties. I think it's going to double, and sure. it's going to it's going to double. I think Zach, because we've got so many off lease vehicles, yeah. and frank, and frankly, the affordability factor of new vehicles. We we saw this in May, June, and July. Uh, customers were automatically making a decision to buy a CPO or late model vehicle as opposed to a new one because there weren't any new ones available. I think as new vehicles become more readily available and economic uncertainty continues, I think the CPO business is a huge growth area for dealers to consider. So to summarize your question, uh, I think it's, I'm very bullish on the used car business. I'm very bullish on the adjustments we have to make, but you've got to have, a different mindset about your inventory distribution, you have to effectively measure your attributes, meaning your pricing model, your inventory health, your pricing adjustment a cadence, your website, turning it into an online store. And you have to pay special attention to the trends and allocate resources to creating a very robust consumer experience and we'll all be winners in the used car market there
0: very well put ed and i really appreciate you taking so much time out of your day today to be on the used car dealer podcast thank you so much
1: my pleasure zach thank you